to another episode of the Lone Recruiter Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Clementson. And if you're a recruiter out on your own or just lacking general guidance or mentorship, then you've come to the right place. Our daily episodes are designed to give you the motivation, advice, and strategies you need to succeed as a lone recruiter. So join us, grab a cup of coffee, and let's take your desk to another level. Today is Wednesday, which means I'm on my quest to interview 100 recruiters with the same five questions about what makes them successful as a recruiter. Today, I have Aaron Matrogen. He's been recruiting since 2002. Um, he's covered markets such as accounting, valuations, engineers, lawyers, and today is without a doubt one of the leaders in accounting private practice recruitment nationally. So welcome, Aaron. Thank you, Brett. Um, so I've got five questions for you today, and if you've watched this before, you'll, you'll know what that's about. But I always kick things off by want uh, by getting you to tell me your last highlight reel in sixty seconds or less. Ready, set, go. Set the timer. <laughs> um, born and raised in Sydney, I finished high school and went to UTS, where I did a business degree, marketing and management. But um, marketing had a bit of statistics and, and things like this in it, so I went more towards the management. And while I was at uni, I worked at a fruit market for four years, which I think was a great experience for me i really con, con the fruit man i really enjoyed working there and um one day after i left i got on online and applied for a few jobs and the next day i found myself in a recruitment job did you did one you day. intentionally pick recruitment i did yeah. i did yeah I, I enjoy working with people and the idea of finding people jobs appealed to me so do you still enjoy working with people no <laughs> I, it's, it's, it is a rewarding thing to go to work each day and know that you've helped somebody move themselves forward. They, people don't, you can't force them to take a job. So when you, when they do take something through you, you're, you know. Family, kids, wife? I've got a wife, I've got two sons and um, yeah, that's, that's right. about it. <laughs> that, that, that's a good 60 seconds. So I've got five questions for you. No preparation, here we go. Number one, if you could only measure the success of your desk with one KPI, any KPI, which one is it? The number of candidates coming through. Okay. So you're saying if you don't have candidates coming in, you're what, like, what if you had jobs coming in? I can't fill jobs if you don't have candidates, can you? So I, everything for me is measured by candidates. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and typically, do you have a number that you want a week? Um, I, I have a number, but I never achieve my number. And that is, that's what I guess pushes me forward each day, is that feeling that, hey, I, you know, I might achieve it one day, but I would rarely achieve my number in a week or a month. Is that intentional? Yes. Is that like a shoot for the stars, hit the trees? Um, yeah, in a in a sense, mm -hmm. um, I, I think so. I, th I think it. We are. I am in a market that is hard to find people. So um, it. I I'd like to say it's not too unrealistic, but I yeah I'd so rarely get to that number. Um, so I never quite feel good about my day, and I guess there is a bit of a, a science in that in terms of mentality that helps me the next day because it pushes me to mm. work hard. Okay, cool. Uh, question two, what are your top three interview questions? Ooh. Um, 
the number one's reasons for leaving. I think it's so vital. I'm, I'm not someone who's really driven, you know, KPIs play a part, but um, I won't work with someone that I don't think I can find them a job or solve them their problem because I think you just end up wasting your time. So the reasons for leaving is just the most vital thing for me. I think salary is vital, particularly in the current market, because again, you can end up wasting a lot of your time or have someone that's got really unreasonable expectations and, and sometimes got to temper that or help them out with advice. And the opposite's true as well. I work with candidates who are just don't realise how underpaid they are sometimes and mm. they need advice. So salary would, would be number two. And um, oh, it's such a, a simple question, but I guess the, <coughs> the third thing would be just going through the job duties in the markets I work in, making making sure I understand that they're doing the things that my clients need from them. So one, reason for leaving. Two, money. Three, what do you actually do? Yeah. Do you do what you say? They're pretty you, simple. Are you what's on the box? You know, I think uh, those are the things that if if those things aren't matching, then mm. You know, mm. it's not going to work. Okay. Cool. Um, Third question for you, Aaron. Favorite closing question or line? Say for me, is it specifically for me? Oh, I, I don't know. Well, well, you're the only one in the room, so. Say it again, my favorite. Your favorite closing question or line? I'm trying to close a candidate. Yes, we're trying to clear. You've got the offer. You know, how do you close it? How do you close this thing out? Do you have a line or do you have an approach or a sequence? I'm pretty assertive and direct. It's just my nature. So I'll just straight up, I'll, you know, I'll get a sense of how they're feeling. And if it, if it sounds like the candidate is positive, I'll say, are you happy for me to accept on your behalf? Because you've got, I hear you, I hear you doing a lot of deals and you tend to get closes pretty quick. Like you'll have an interview and boom, you've got something, oh, they'll accept the job. So how do you tell, walk me through that? Well, I think that is about the interview, not the, the close. So when I interview someone and um, maybe the interview, but also putting them, when I put them on interview, I prepare them in advance if I know my clients are the sorts of people that make quick decisions. So mm. they're mentally ready for that question. It's not like I've sprung mm. it on them or they thought, and when I, do talk about that with them and that they're ready to make a decision. Um, if I get the sense that they're the sort of person that's not going to be able to make a decision, I talk to them about that. Like that, that is going to be a problem. Mm. You know, why are we going on interviews if you're not mm. going to make a, a decision or you can't do that? So mentally, the candidates I work with are ready to make a decision when they come out. And I also make it clear, the question's easy for me to ask because I also say there's no hard feelings if it's not for you, which is true. You know, mm. if it's really not for you and you explain to me that I don't think the environment's going to work or you know, there's a logical reason why this just isn't going to be the job for you, I don't expect someone to, to take a job through me. Mm. So I think um, I'm quite comfortable to ask it as well, whereas maybe you know, I've seen people that kind of get nervous being so direct about it. But I've prepared them and mm. it's not weird to them when I ask that question so directly. Are you one to deliver an offer and and let them just think about it or are you trying to get them to commit before that offer comes through? 
I think you've got to play it by ear. I'm, I mean, more often than not, if I, I'd say 90% of the time, I do expect uh, an answer and mm -hmm. a commitment. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm here to do as an agent is to represent you. And I think the clients expect that. They expect me to be able to negotiate and talk mm -hmm. for you. And that's why people come to an agent. Mm -hmm. they, they like me to do that. There are occasions where, um, I think if someone is genuinely unsure about the position and the job, whether it's going to be for them, then I'll be more likely to encourage that and say, here's the offer and you need mm. to really mm. think it through. The other might be if the offer came in, was under what the person was expecting for some reason. That's, it's just about having empathy for someone that maybe they need to get their head around this because something unique has come up. Mm. It's a bit different than what they expected. But if everything's what they expected and they're not ready to make a decision, that tells me, well, what's Just happening? Ask. I actually had it yesterday with a candidate who couldn't quite, the feedback was just not adding up. Mm. And then the truth came out, which was, I'm not ready because I've actually got another interview through my own means tomorrow with in a completely different field. And I hadn't been aware, he hadn't made me aware that this was the case. Um, that he was looking at these sorts of things, but um, he's not in any way ready to mm. make a decision. So now I know how to combat that with the the client and not go and rush to get an offer from the client because mm. I know the candidate's not ready to make a decision. So you got to play it by ear, but more often than not, I'm going for the, the close because that's what I'm here to do for you. Mm. Yeah, perfect. Okay, fourth question. Um, how do you handle Counter offers. How do I handle counter offers? I you, get, you, wake, you wake up at 6 a.m., you wake up, you see that email. Hi, Aaron, I regret to inform you that I'm staying with my current employer. <laughs> well, I must say, I, I feel, I do feel that I have a pretty good strike rate with counter offers in the sense that there's not a huge amount of them. Mm -hmm. And my candidates receive counter offers, obviously, but I think I combat them quite well by, you know, I said at the start, um, you know, maybe one of the things I should have added as one of the key questions is, would, you know, I ask it straight up in the interview, would you accept a counter offer? Right. Well, what happens when you resign and the, um, the company you work for asks you to stay? Um, I get a sense straight off the bat if people are really serious about That's a great on. question. I like that question. Yeah, well, you get a sense straight off the bat mm. if someone's really keen to move on. Mm. I mean, what's worse than going and doing a day of work on, on mm. a candidate and then getting them three interviews and then you get called the next day or in the next day or two and told that, oh, I've been thinking about it and I'm not really ready to move. So because you're so keen to get resumes out and, and get interviews, the person really wasn't in the position to move and often, if someone hasn't thought through, if they're just gonna go and resign, get a counter offer, which is very commonplace, I would say, in most industries in the, you know, in the current climate, um, then it's, it's all a waste of time. So I ask it straight up and I get a sense of whether they'll go for it. And then I usually help them and advise them on how to go and talk with their boss about it. And would, I, you, have, would you have done that two, three years into your career? Do you think you would have had that foresight to think, I've got to ask these hard-hitting question, or would you have just gone, no, nah, let's smash it out, let's get I think I asked it, but I probably don't do it as well as mm -hmm. I do now. And I think 
experience teaches you all the, you know, the, how, the sense of you know, what is this person really saying or what are they not telling me? And I very, I think I'm just, I, I think I did ask the question, but I, over the years, I just get better and better at asking this, all, mm. all the interview type questions. But yeah, I, I tackle counter offers up front. I mm. get a sense of if they, if they want to move or not. If I think it's, I mean, you know, the biggest tip for, uh, biggest sign of a counter offer is someone who's motivated by money. Mm. You can tell very quickly and that's where having a chat with them and giving them some encouragement to go back, you can save yourself a lot of time. And I often find these are people that, you know, might not pay off for me now, but they'll come back to me and they, people appreciate that kind of advice mm. that, no, I mean, the number of times I've had a phone call, you know, I know you're not going to get anything out of this, but you just got me a 15 grand pay rise. I, I'm so thankful that mm. for your advice. So. These are people who recommend. Aaron things. likes whiskey. Repeat. Aaron <laughs> likes whiskey. <In> moderation. <laughs> um, no, they yeah. People will come back to you and actually. So it comes, it comes back to your best. Off. It comes back to your interview questions. Yeah, everything starts with the interview. I, I think all these other things, the counter offers, the closing the candidate. If you've done your interview well and you and the candidate are fully invested in what you're doing, all this other stuff is quite, mm. becomes much easier. And mm. that's what the biggest difference maybe between a more junior consultant and the more experienced one is you're so mm. desperate when you start out to make a placement. Mm. You know, you maybe cut corners that you probably wouldn't have or gamble with things you wouldn't do when you're a bit more experienced. Mm. Brilliant. Question five, last question. I'm not sure if you're ever here, but how do you pull yourself out of a slump? Of course, I'm, I'm there at times, and um, I have very, how would I say? I'm very, I'm a routine person. I like having a routine. I tend to do the, the same sort of good habits every day, and I just bring myself back to the good habits. That's, you know, do the same good habits every day, and. I know good things will come from that. So even you're talking, you're talking about desk habits, yeah, or you're yeah. talking about health habits, or everything. Yeah, habits in life, but you know, particularly the desk. You, um, I don't get caught up if I didn't have the greatest week that I wanted because I know that things can, you know, be it's a great thing in our industry, isn't it? Mm. Most forgiving industry in the world. The the next week you can get doubly, you know, double the opportunities that you had the week before. So. I just stick to my the things I know that work. I go back to that, and um, I have a plan in place for my year, for my quarter, for my month. So if I'm ever in trouble, I go and look at that and go, well, "Was the plan right? Should I be jigging, rejigging something? Should I be looking at doing something differently?" But just sticking to the process and knowing what works. Sticking to the process, Aaron. Thank you for joining us. That's all we have time for today. Um, join our mailing list. You can receive this week's episode material, hello at theloanrecruiter.com. And uh, if you got any value out of today's episode, please do us a favor, subscribe, follow us on LinkedIn, share and recommend this podcast. It really does help us grow and get this out to a wider audience. Have an amazing day. And as always, may all your deals come true.